You're listening to episode 55 of the STEM space. You should be teaching your students about engineers, scientists, and inventors that represent them all the time. But this month, we are focused on women in STEM history for Women's History Month. Tune in to find out some ideas on how you can incorporate women in STEM history this month in STEM. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Happy Women's History Month, Claire. Thanks. Right back at you. (laughs) Is that what you're supposed to say? I don't know. It's like all over social media. It's, I've been thinking about it because it's March, and I thought I would just start with that and ask you, how do you celebrate Women's History Month? Well, first, by being a woman. Um, exactly. I think that's the best way. <laughs> I can't believe it's March already, but yes, we definitely celebrate Women's History Month at my school and my classes. And how I do that is usually by featuring women in STEM history. Shocking. <laughs> I know. So, but it's really one of my favorite things to do because I love doing engineering activities. Obviously that's the bulk of what I teach is some engineering design challenges. But what's unique about this month is I get to feature specifically things that were built, created, or engineered, or science that was pioneered by women in STEM history. I love it. And usually I start by asking my students, name something that a woman invented. Can you name something? She's going to ask me. (laughs) Yes. um, There is this person named Claire who has been Um, part of designing airplanes at Air Tractor. So I got it. (laughs) Unfortunately, the history books will not record that. So no. But it's hard. Like you think, oh, what things have men accomplished? And people are like, oh, landing on the moon and building a car. You name inventors, Henry Ford. You name astronauts. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. light bulb. Yeah. But you probably, things that you use every day don't know that women invented it. I mean, windshield wipers. Those oh. are in your cars. That was invented by a woman. No way. You know? Mm-hmm. And there's a story about the whiteout, which I always like that one because, and it's been a while since I read this, so maybe I should fact check before I start talking, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a woman that was made a mistake. And so she had like a little bottle of like white paint that she carried to, cause they wrote on typewriters. And so she would correct it by putting the white paint over it instead of having to redo the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And she would hide that like, Ooh, I made a mistake. I don't want anybody to know about it. But then once it was found out, it was like, that's genius, like white out, like everybody needs that. So, so many things that women have done that we don't recognize. And it wasn't until recently, I think it was 1994. That's not recent, is it anymore? Uh, It feels (laughs) recent. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A few years ago. A few years ago uh, that they established this women's history month to actually celebrate the contributions that women have made in history. And hopefully my students will be able to name some things after this month that women have contributed. So specifically 
There are three challenges that I like to do, and I have typed this up in a blog post that will link in the show notes with actually seven ideas, but three of them are engineering design challenges that I'm doing this month. My favorite one is this botany STEM challenge. And it's really cool because it's like more longer term and the kids get really excited about watching a plant grow. And the first part of it is you make one of those window greenhouses where you grow a seed in a plastic baggie on a cotton ball that you get wet and you just stick it on the window and just watch it grow because you don't have to do anything because everything is inside the bag. It's like its own little habitat. And what this highlights is the work of Dr. Catherine Esau which was this pioneering botanist that figured out plant anatomy and wrote this book and had like just amazing contributions to the area of botany. And then you do an engineering design challenge with learning about her and her contributions to botany after you've made this window greenhouse. And the students have to make this carrier that can hold a pot once you pot your plant. And they have to be able to carry it across the room, which sounds easy, but it's actually a big challenge and can be very messy if you don't take the proper <laughs> precautions. Good put know. your, you know, don't put all the dirt in the pot and then just leave it like that. I usually put it in a baggie and then oh, carry smart. it that way. <laughs> Otherwise you're going to have dirt <laughs> all over your classroom. So yeah, that one's really fun. I usually do that with younger elementary kids. So first, second grade, that works great for them. And then with older elementary kids and into middle school, I have two other fun challenges. The first one is solar ovens. Have you mm. made a solar oven, Natasha? I have. I did that with the Space Club kids. Awesome. Did you make s'mores in it? We did. Mm-hmm. That's like the classic. classic. Yeah. Because, I mean, some people have made like hot dogs in them, but I'm like, I don't know if I would eat that <laughs> first off. And how do you measure... You know, there's so much that you can measure when you do a s'more because you're measuring, is there a change in size of the marshmallow? And can you see the chocolate melt? So right. But the lots, hot dog, like, hot dog. I guess you have an internal, thermo- like a temperature thermometer thing to like take the internal temperature. But I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't Because <laughs> then they have to sit out. Are you going to refrigerate them? Right. And hot dogs are itchy, itchy, <laughs> sketchy. <laughs> Iffy they're and sketchy. Itchy. They're itchy hot dogs. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, that's a good one. I do solar ovens with s'mores and that I highlight the work of Maria Telks, which she is the inventor of the first system to heat a home with solar power. So if you have anything that's solar powered, you can thank her for that. And then we learn about solar power, obviously, with that and different ways to conduct heat. So there's so much science that you can involve in this activity as well. And then have fun, of course, making the, the solar oven to make s'mores. That's always my students' favorite that they ask to do multiple times during the year. Really? <laughs> I'm like, it really only works if it's really sunny. And I, why would we do it more than once? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do it at home. Claire, it has food and they get to eat. <laughs> That's true. I just thought I should just give them s'mores and give them another give activity. Give them chocolate. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then the last one I do, which is a really fun one, is a bridge building challenge, which is kind of a classic engineering design challenge. But this highlights the work of Emily Roebling. Have you heard of her? That sounds really familiar. And I'm not sure if it's because I've seen it through you, but (laughs) tell me more. Yeah. So there's a ton of really great kids books about Emily Roebling because she finished the building or construction of the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, okay. 
um, which is pretty impressive because her yeah. husband kind of started it and she took over after he, he got really sick because they built it over water, obviously. And there was the the bins that you get if you go deep in the water and then you go up too fast. So it does like, mm -hmm. you know, divers, you know, we didn't know any of that back then apparently. And so it killed a lot of people. And yeah. um, her husband was one of those that got really sick. So she was able to take over the construction of this bridge wasn't trained as a civil engineer, but became one wow. through this project. It's, it's an incredible story. And there's really great kids books that will link about it. So we study her and then we get to design bridges and see how strong they are. And that's always a fun one because kids get really into it. A really great lesson on failure, obviously. Yeah. And the failures are pretty dramatic. So, you know, things build up. I usually weigh the bridge with a, I put a cup of pennies on it and we just keep adding pennies so it's really suspenseful and then all of a sudden it just goes like, pow and everything breaks because you make it out of spaghetti or craft sticks right, or, right. or whatever and it's really fun are they sad when it breaks yes so i always have to prep them and say we're going to test to failure meaning everybody's is going to fail mm. and everybody's is going to break you will <laughs> not be taking this home <laughs> and then they're like okay do you remember when we brought Julie onto the podcast and she talked about this bridge challenge and we were like, how do you, you know, talking about failure. And she's like, I don't fail on purpose. Like she says something <laughs> like she doesn't do that part of it, which I thought was interesting. Whereas I don't know if it's our perspective as like engineers, we test to a breaking point as part of that design process. So, and also, yes, like small kids will be upset, but it's like, building in some perseverance and not getting too attached. Like it's just what spaghetti and tape. And yeah. Yeah. And your parents are not going to want you to keep it anyway. So right. <laughs> yeah, but that's true. I, I don't know. I've never thought about it before, but I think, yeah, as an engineer, that's what you do when you test things, you need to know, is it going to hold the load that's specified per whatever the requirements are coming from aviation? There's always requirements on it must hold this. So we always test it to that number, but then you also want to know when is it going to fail? Because that's really important too. Is it going to fail right after the requirement or is it twice as strong as it needs to be? Because I mean, that's a selling point for one, but also safety. You need to really make sure that if your numbers were a little off, that it's still going to be okay. So there's something called a margin of safety in engineering and aviation. That's usually 1.5 times whatever the requirement is. So I always make sure that students know, hey, you need to know when it's going to fail because that's an important number. Yeah, that's a good insight. Yeah. So there's so many activities you can do with women in STEM history. There's seven that we've listed on our blog post. So you can go check out more than just what I listed. Another thing that I would recommend doing that I'm going to do this year with my middle school students is challenge them to go find a woman in STEM history that has made contributions to engineering or science and do their own research and then present it and share it with the rest of the class. So that by the end of this month, I want every student to be able to name at least three women that have contributed in big ways in our science and engineering fields. Ooh, that's, that's really great. And I think that's cool that they can research based on their own interest and figure out people that maybe they had never heard of, like windshield wipers. I One, I never think about who is behind, you know, these inventions and things we use every day. So that's pretty cool. Now I kind of like want to research <laughs> all the things. Yeah. So I'm actually doing a project right now for grad school and we were supposed to find somebody that was 
what was it, a creative mind, somebody that was a creative genius in history and explain like what they did to contribute and how they were creative. So I took that opportunity to find somebody in history that was a woman, an engineer, and an inventor. Mm. And so I'm studying the history of Lillian Gilbreth. And you have probably used her invention because she invented the step trash can. Oh, nice. (laughs) Right? Which I'm like, she. (laughs) Men wouldn't invent that. Right. So that's just one of her inventions. I haven't delved into her book yet, but it's just incredible. So many things that you take for granted that somebody had to come up with. And especially in these times, I think there's so much opportunity to challenge our students to find ways that they can help others. And they can look at examples from our past of how women came up with the windshield wipers, which is Mm life-saving. And what are some things that you can do to help others, you know, even in small ways that you probably would find insignificant, like a step trash can. (laughs) And also thinking of your original story about the whiteout and how she was embarrassed, like that she Mm -hmm. was making a mistake and realizing that we have common problems and we're going through the same experiences. And something that helps you could help a lot of other people also says something about her like nature as a woman and that she had to feel embarrassed and hide that makes me kind of sad but I'm glad that like they found out and then empowered her to turn it into like an actual product and I'm thinking I know you're doing invention convention and those the girls in your class it's probably very important for them to know that as women they can invent too and they're other female inventors and we've brought up this game before, but like who's an engineer, who's a scientist, like breaking down uh, STEM stereotypes because we're bombarded with those every day in the media, you know, with people that we see on TV, movies and so on. They're usually a certain type of person. And that's what I think can be brought to light with this Women's History Month and other groups of people that can also be inventors and engineers and scientists. So have you seen those stereotypes play out in your classroom where maybe the girls don't think that they can be inventors or engineers? Yes, definitely. That's always the struggle at the beginning of this kind of project. It's a confidence thing. It's the, you know, the boys will usually come up some like random idea and I look at them like, you know, that won't work. Like, but, but they're so confident in it and which is great. You know, I don't want to squash that either, but the girls are usually like, I I don't have anything. I'm like, you're trying to think Mm -hmm. of something that's going to change the world in a huge way. Think of something that would just change one thing, small thing in your life, like a paperclip. Think of how many paperclips people use every day. That doesn't seem very significant, does it? Just what are your ideas? Just write down everything. There are no stupid ideas. And that usually will get them going. But sharing stories, like you mentioned about the whiteout, like things that you might even be ashamed of. If it helps you, somebody else has that same problem. And I like your point that we always share like in history class, the big things, right? The big players that were like the leaders of countries that invented the light bulb that came up with calculus, like those grand ideas. And But there are so many other little inventions and other people that are important in history that often get overlooked. And so I think that's a really good point. And like, we can just, you can't give kids all the information all at once. So just giving them like little stories and pieces of history that maybe they can relate to and connect with. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That made me think there's a list of books too, that I'm going to, I'm going to actually write a blog post because I think this is important too, of inventions that 
new, it's been new. Recently, people have been writing more books, telling stories about small invention ideas that were great, like The Popsicle, The Boy Who Invented the Popsicle. That's a really great book. It even has science experiments thrown throughout it, but it was a boy who invented the popsicle. And then there's um, like the guy who invented the crayon, like all these different small things, like you said, that not, aren't huge, but somebody invented them. And it'd be good to share those stories because you never know. There's probably I was reading class. about the invention of the goldfish. Okay. This is kind of a right. silly story. There's a woman that invented the goldfish. <laughs> I don't remember all this. So I'm Tasha, goldfish is a living creature. I don't think you the food, the food. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have clarified. That. Clarify. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been um, singing in Canto or in Canto. The, uh -huh. um, we don't talk about Bruno. So I was thinking about the goldfish that died. <laughs> I have been eating goldfish with my kids for months. And that is what is in my head when I think goldfish we have one of those like huge family packs okay and i was curious because every like daycare serves goldfish like every soccer parent you know serves goldfish to their kids and i'm like why is this so popular and so i looked it up and there's like a whole story about the evolution of the snack and how it's you know they were trying to find something that was healthy-ish nutrition for processed food you know but then yeah. also comforting and so they they talk about putting the smile on the goldfish in like just this oh. perfect smile that's not like because it could have been easily creepy right yeah <laughs> and so it's like a comforting snack that has been around for a long time um so that's really random but it was actually from a woman that was trying to come up with the, these healthy snacks for her kids and now it's like the really? staple of this company yeah i guess i've never thought about it but now that i'm thinking about it in the context of how i was interpreting your start to this discussion like so many kids have goldfish that died so how is this snack not traumatic <laughs> i've had a goldfish that died That's right. <laughs> so are you okay with eating goldfish i love goldfish they're so good it does not trigger memories it of my dead goldfish <laughs> <laughs> because i don't really connect it to the actual fish like i don't like know i it's did like, okay yeah like animal crackers like every time you That's eat a lion are you thinking of a lion you know <laughs> Well, okay, when I went to fish camp at A&M, which is the camp that you go to before freshman year of college, I had a, a leader that would eat all of the heads off of all of the animal crackers and then give it to his roommates just to see how long it would take him to figure out that all the heads were gone. So that's that's all I can think about when I think about animal crackers. And we've gone down a rabbit hole. I was like, we just went really far in a different direction. But the point <laughs> is that we should highlight all the stories. And maybe how about we leave this challenge for our listeners? Take an object or a food that you use every day and try to figure out who invented it you get like these unexpected stories. Like I randomly was like, I wonder who came up with goldfish yeah. and got a whole story about it. I love that. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be looking up some things today because that's a great challenge. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to leave off this podcast episode with an ending brought to you from Instagram by user ag Susie. Hey, isn't that your mom? Yeah, that's my mom. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening, mom. Hey, Claire's mom. <laughs> All right, bye-bye from Vivify.